So, Kevin, you went to Harvard, right? Yes, sir. What year did you graduate? 2014. So tell me, well, let's, let's go back a little bit. So a lot of international students, as you know, uh, or I should say, actually, most students who want to go to university, but particularly international students, Harvard is a big name. It's scary, right? It's a big name, but it's also something that everybody wants to get into, right? So how did you decide you want to go to Harvard? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because my wife, um, I had started a business uh, I've started multiple businesses in my career, and I, uh, in 2000, I started a business, and then I think it was 2010 or so, my wife was pregnant with our second daughter, and I started to get a little nervous, mm -hmm. and I started to think about what I wanted to do when I become a big boy, and so, um, you know, my wife's, uh, my wife's uh, uncle is the IT director for Harvard College. And so we went out to visit her family out in uh, Cambridge uh, that summer. And I walked into the Bloomberg Library and I had just one of these absolute aha moments. Like it was like a beam of light. Like it was just, it, it just felt right. And I looked around the Bloomberg Library and the Harvard Business School Library is uh, hosts the largest business periodical uh, uh, in the world. Like they have the most business periodicals in the world. So to see the massive data that they had, physical data, not like, you know, all these young kids with everything in the cloud, like right. physical books that I could touch. And yeah. I was just overwhelmed with that. And also I was thinking about all the great minds that created great things. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, it was the right thing to do. Uh, and so that, that, that um, we drove out there and we live in Chicago, just outside of Chicago. So we ended up driving back. And so for the rest of the three days in the car, all my wife heard about was, how am I going to get into Harvard? Can I get into Harvard? What should we do? Can you help me with my essays? <laughs> so by the end of the trip, she was extremely annoyed, would have rather me gone on unemployment than go back to business school. <laughs> and so that summer I wrote all my essays and, um, uh, and I got an acceptance letter. And for about 14 seconds, it was one of the coolest experiences in my life. And then this, uh, the 15th second, I had this waft of fear because I had to figure out how the heck I was going to pay for this. <laughs> That's awesome. But actually, I want to get to the, you said something very interesting. So, but before I say that, it's, it's you and I, you took me actually to Harvard um, a couple of years back. So we went and you're absolutely right. I mean, I obviously I didn't go to Harvard, but you know, when you walk in there, there's something about it. There's just, it's a, it's an interesting feeling. I don't know. I think I mentioned this to you while we were there. I said that maybe the fact that, you know, there's so many great minds or so many people that have changed um, the world. And, and I think you said in a good way, in a bad way. <laughs> so, yes. um, so both, but you know, a lot of people have come from there, uh, which is amazing. So it does give you that feeling, but you said, you said the, uh, um, you started writing the essay and application and all that. So what was that like, um, the application process? Well, the application itself wasn't terribly, you know, complex. I, I, I it, in, in some of my other businesses, I had been done contract negotiations and contract writing and all that kind of stuff. So the, the actual application in and of itself wasn't challenging. Mm -hmm. um, it was just pretty much, you know, simple input. But what was challenging was the essays. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get into, um, if you would like a little, in a little while, um, Harvard's methodology of, of how they teach, 
but I took, I, I studied a lot on their culture and how they, how they actually teach their students and their network. And that's how I wanted to write my essays. Um, and, and so um, the, Harvard utilizes what's called the Socratic method. So instead of like the olden days where you had the professor at the, at the chalkboard and he was writing down and there was a very cause and effect kind of student professor relationship where the professor was, you know, creating ideation, you know, showing you how to solve a problem. And then either you solved that problem at that moment or you went home and it's up to you to figure it out. Yeah. But that's not how business works. That's not how critical thinking is taught. And, and, and that's something that was very important to me because if you look at um, a business problem in a certain time frame, you know, we, we deal with these. This is one of the magical things is the Harvard Business School case studies. Mm, okay. and, and, and so we, I've read thousands of these on businesses in all different business type of sectors. And one of the things that is great about the case studies is, is it freezes it in a moment of time and it sets up a set of problems, real problems, real case studies of problems that were created within a business in various maturity phases, whether it be a startup, a, a, a mid-grade business, or somebody that was on the more mature side of the cycle. And they were dealing with real world problems with real world people. And they gave you all of the challenges that those uh, executives or decision makers had to overcome. And it was up to at the time, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, now it's easy to say, well, they should have just Googled the problem. <laughs> But back then, you know, at that particular time, they didn't have all the resources available to them. And so it was like, now, what would you do? What would you do as a leader to solve this problem? And so generally, the class sizes are around, depending upon which class, about 90 people. So it's a big, big room. And of course, there's smaller, you know, rooms, but Generally, that, that was the size. And, and it was really interesting because there were so many different perspectives. And of course, being a, a very culturally diverse uh, institution uh, that Harvard uh, it really welcomes, mm -hmm. there's all sorts of these different minds all over the world that come into this one room and they all have different ideas. And then you're all thinking. And as soon as you think you have an idea, then you hear somebody else like, wow. I would have failed. <laughs> That's the idea. And then you come up with this really great methodology. And in fact, that was one of the weirdest. It was very odd for me because coming from other learning type of institutions, it was always the professor was the king and there was this power struggle. The professor had all the power and then the student had little power. And here, not saying that the students had the power, but the, but the professor was more of a shepherd or more guiding the conversation and asking critical questions as to why you would make a decision or make an assumption or make a hypothesis rather than telling you how you should think. And that is critical. And to me, that is mission critical in life. And not only is it mission critical in business school and business, and in, but it's mission critical in life because it teaches you how to be a critical thinker. That's pretty cool. That's amazing, actually. It's a great experience. Were there a lot of international students? Or I know there are, but like at a time that you were there in your classes or in your program. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, you know, but absolutely, no, we, my class was uh, very diverse. We broke up what was, what was really neat 
was we got to break up. Uh, initially, they put you in um, like a, a, a hall with like six people in each hall. And so I was fortunate enough my first year to be the class leader, class president in my group, my section leader. And like, how does that happen? You know, it was, it was. Why did that happen for you? Let me say. Uh, you know, I think I was the most vocal when we got there. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I had a lot in common with a lot of the guys. One guy was a, a, a cyclist. One guy was a martial artist. One guy was this. And so we just st started to get along and it kind of just organically happened like that. So there yeah. wasn't some big test or some big vote, but it yeah. kind of, for me, at least my experience was very organic. And, um, the, the interesting thing was four of my, uh, Three of my uh, classmates in my hall were, in, were from India, one was from Russia, and one was from China. And so it was very interesting to me because these are different parts of the world that at that particular time, I didn't have much experience with uh, mm -hmm. in business. And they all came from various socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, various educational backgrounds, um, and it was really neat to learn from them. And quite frankly, which I would probably expect as most everybody's experience is a lot of my learning or my key learnings happened outside of the classroom, not inside the classroom. That's interesting. Very interesting. So very cool experiences, actually. Think about it. We, we obviously deal with a lot of international students, right? Um, the, 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 the number one challenge when it comes to schools like Harvard is not only your education, you know, that's yes, you have to have, you know, higher grades, better standards um, to get into Ivy League schools like Harvard, but the money, right, how much more expensive it is to attend Harvard. So you know, it's always challenging and it's always interesting to think about it. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't have any stats on it. I don't know if you do, but like how many people were actually paying out of pocket versus how many people, not exactly how many people did actually get like scholarship or fund. Is it, it I'm sure it's, it's never easy. And we always tell obviously students that it's never easy to get scholarships or fund, but I'm sure it's 10 times probably harder to get a scholarship or fund when it comes to Harvard. That's a, that's a very great, great question. And I have not done any good research on that. Yeah. Um, so I can't give you any, any, any real stats. Um, it's something I'll have for our next podcast, there you uh, go. but, uh, but I will definitely have that information. Cause that's, that's, a, that's actually a very good, uh, good thing to know. But, um, you know, if I had to make a, a hypothesis, I would say that I believe the last time I checked this, and don't quote me on my numbers, but I believe it was around 6.8 to 7.5% of all the applicants that apply to a, an institution like an Ivy League school, like a Harvard, is that's their acceptance rate. So you can imagine it's a very small window. Um, and, 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 and I would expect that that same small window can be associated to to the same types of people that are all fighting for those scholarships to get into uh, and pay for these these types of of, of, of experiences um, and so uh, I don't know if that answered your question but that's probably the best I, I but that's of course a very very big concern yeah yeah it always is yeah so again you know, when you think about it, a lot of students want to go to Harvard. Um, th imagine that somebody does qualify um, from education academically as well as financially. Like, what do you suggest before they apply? 
What do you, as someone that went to Harvard and you were in the environment, like what do you think they should be doing right now in order to like make their just the entire like application? And I just don't mean the application, but just the entire like presentation of themselves as an application much stronger. Hmm. Well, I kind of think, uh, I'll, I, let me use an analogy. Yeah. That I think that I think everyone will understand, and then we can get back, and I'll directly answer your question. Sure. I, I think about you know business. Like when I was at business school, Professor Yaffe, um, who taught strategy, he would always talk about you need to be ten times better. Your product, your service, whatever you're offering your customers had to had to be 10, 20 times better than the competition. Um, and, 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 and I think a lot of focus went into, you know, if I was designing my wife's, uh, headset because my headset batteries were dead earlier, so I had to use my wife's pink headset. But if I was to design that, I'd be designing this in its most beautiful way, really thinking about the product and, you know, how am I differentiating from other products in that market and so forth. And I think that a lot of times when you go to market nowadays, it's so difficult to remember when I was talking about those power struggles between the professor and the student. Yeah, yeah. Now it used to be where there was a, a, a big power struggle between the consumer and the, and the seller. The seller had a lot of power because the consumer didn't have all these different environments to access information about what seller was selling. Mm -hmm. And so now the seller doesn't have that power anymore. The buyer has that power. And so, but how does that seller now get loud? This is a noisy world. It's a noisy internet. It's a, how do you get noticed? How do you get and rise above that to be unique? And I think that's what I would say to answer your question directly is it's not enough to just look at your uh, scholastic achievements. Um, that's, a, that's almost a given. Um, you know, it's kind of like I always say to my team when they bring back an ideation and I'm working with somebody about a vertical that we're trying to generate for revenue. It's like, no, you're celebrating the expected. It's like going to the shoe repair guy and he fixes your shoes and you go home and you tell your family, fix my shoes. Woohoo! That's what he's supposed to do. He's a shoe repair guy. You're, so, so to answer your question, and again, is I think that you have to be much more rounded than just focused on the product, which is you. Meaning you don't just want to focus on your scholastic achievements. I think one thing that is very important that I think is lacking, and you heard it first from one key visa, but there is a very big market right now that is an open white space for all you development developers out there and business-minded marketers of personal branding. Mm -hmm. People need to start personally branding themselves just as if they would brand a product. And, 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 and if you take through an exercise of a marketing framework that how you would take a product to market, you can Google it. Market framework tomorrow, you could Google it and you'll see a thousand hits so you can click an image and you'll get an idea of a basic framework of how you would market your product and think about how you'd market yourself. And, and, and that, I think, is a very important aspect because I think sometimes pe people can feel a little insecure. They can feel a little intimidated um, and, 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 and maybe not have all of the mirrored reflections that they see, out, they see inwardly from the world that they're actually outwardly 
have inside of themselves that they don't see because they're living in their body. That's true. Very interesting. Very interesting. What's the point? Extracurricular activities. They love extracurricular activities. They love diversification. So if you are a, if you want to go to um, the English, the, the, the business school or the Kennedy school or another division of Harvard, whatever you want to want to, uh, whatever engineering school, you want to go to any one of these very hyper-focused programs and all you have, which is your CV, your resume, your personal branding, that's a personal branding document. That's what I want you guys to take away. That's one of the things I want you to take away. It's a personal branding document. And all of the personal brand, branding that you have done is all hyper-focused just on engineering. And you have the best GPA. You have the best SAT scores. You have the best of all the things that you would need. You're going to lose. I know. You're going to lose. You're going to be up against the same level of people. And this is true with any, you know, institution. And say, yeah. It's true with any institution. You should be looking at different ways of how to be more eclectic and more well-rounded, which again is starting to develop and hone that critical thinking and that more diversification to allow you to be able to be a better critical thinker. Yeah, that's awesome you said that because, you know, we always talk about the way that we like to help students because... You know, so the, if the goal is to come to the United States to study, right, the first step is to get your admission. And then the second step is to go through, you know, your visa process. And hopefully you get your visa, you come here, right? So I always have been saying this, and I know that you and I had the conversation about this, that, you know, when you pick the right school, and when you have these elements that you just name, you have it, and you could present it, not only it increases your chances of getting your admission, but it's going to increase your chances of getting a visa, right? Because you can actually show show that you did this, you know, through research and you have a, a, you have an objective, you have a goal, specific thing that you have in mind, and you can provide in strategy an overall strategy to say why I'm doing this. It's a brilliant observation. And um, I, as you were saying that, you know, that, that, that makes total sense to me. And that also kind of gets back to the point of like almost treating yourself as a little business in a sense, you know, you've got your personal branding and now what's your strategy? What's your, what's your strategy? What's your objective? And how are you going to get there? That's all, you know, everybody throws around these terms like business models and, and value propositions and missions and all this stuff. And, and it's like, I think people overthink it and create all these abstract definitions. And it's like, no, no, no. Well, I don't know how to create a mission. Well, what do you, where are you? Right. And where do you want to go? Right. And how are you going to get there? That's your mission. Figure it out. You know, but, 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 but that same critical thinking, I think, is, 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 is maybe not necessarily so self-evident to your point about creating a, a roadmap of, of, of how you're going to get there, which, as you, as you pointed out, not only is that strategy going to help you, uh, but it's going to help you in, in the visa process as well. It's a brilliant point. Yeah, it is. Because, you know, again, I don't want to repeat what I just said, but what we, we just, what we said, but 
it, it is like for for you a student who is here it just you know you create that roadmap as you just called it to get into a school but for the international students that could be utilized to tell the you know the that officer at the u.s embassy that why you should give me a visa why i'm sitting in front of you why do i qualify you know what why what is my strategy right what is my mission as you just said right here's my roadmap this is why this is why i have i'm going to this school this is why i'm studying this this is why particularly you know these are my plans right that makes it i think that makes a huge difference and i to even our personal like our company data also like if you look at the number of people who have applied and successfully got a visa versus the people who the first time or second time they got rejected that you know that the people who always had a strategy from day one and and we helped them out you know to figure that strategy out because it's one of the things obviously we do much much more successful like the success rate has been much higher yeah that makes sense i can see that very cool what was the what was the coolest the the most um interesting and the coolest memory that you had um during your harvard years hmm well, some of those Harvard memories I can't share uh, because I would be violating personal NDAs with my friends. <laughs> yeah, the one um, that you can actually say. Um, wow, there's so many. They put you on the spot. Yeah, you did. There, there was just so many. Um, well, that's something you can think about. And if you don't have it, you know, I, 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 again, without giving it a lot of critical thought, I'll just tell you like what's in my heart. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple things. One, was um, how nervous I was the first day of orientation. And, you know, it's, it's, it's loud. There's, there's, there's that noise, that, that newness that, you know, you could, every sense is heightened. You can smell, you can see, you can hear. And um, Josh Lerner, Professor Lerner, who um, is probably one of the smartest men I've ever met and certainly one of the greatest professors at Harvard. And he, um, you know, he did valuations for like Twitter. Like he's, He's smart. <laughs> and so he, uh, he was one of the first speakers um, in the orientation and he had said something uh, along the lines of like, look around, you're now average. Hmm. And, 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 it was, and it was, and it was, it was one of those like, you know, okay. Like now I'm feeling humble. I, my, my sense of nervousness is accurate. That was an accurate feeling. I'm humble now. Nervous, and, yeah. and, 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 but, he also said, now look around again, and one of the greatest values that Harvard is going to bring you is not just the education, it's this network. It's this network of people. And, and that is something that I really took away. Um, and maybe it's not my funnest experience, which I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of those, but it, it was that, that, that Harvard education was secondary to me with Two, for two, it was almost tertiary, actually. The primary was building a network that are like literally lifelong friends right now and business connections. I had a business problem literally today that it wasn't like a math problem that I could Google. It was a, it was a case study problem. And I called one of my friends and he wasn't able to get back to me. He called me a couple hours later. We had a 10 minute chat, which is all that he had time for. And he gave me some, some great insights. And that's, that's like the power. Like, so it's like those little things that that network is is and 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 
also it teaches you how to build networks. That's another very important skill set to learn um, when you when you start to get into you know your career mode or your educational mode moving into career is learning how to build networks. And I think again to circle back on that personal branding, personal branding yourself and understanding who you are is as a very key aspect of how to you know truly connect when you when you when you network. Uh, and then, 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 then the Harvard education, of course, was, was, was fantastic, but all right, I'll tell you a funny story. And I, I was quite frankly, while I was telling you that I was you thinking of a cleaner way to tell you this part of the story. <laughs> so we were sitting, I, so we had this common area that I was talking about earlier and, um, you know, in the common area, you had all these different wonderful technology, wonder, wonderful technologies. Um, we, we had TVs and uh, computers that shot up into the screen at big screens. It was like movie drive-in and we had chalkboards and whiteboards and 4,000 markers and every color and everything like that, you know, and, and all of that at your disposal. And, I was working on a problem and I'm a particularly slow reader, I found out. And, 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 and so I was having a really hard time with this particular case study and all my friends, it was a, it was a Thursday night and that Friday, we only had a couple classes. So everybody was leaving. And in fact, one of our guys in my class uh, was a professional Baccarat player, believe it or not. And he was flying to Vegas. Okay. And okay. he invited all of us to go to Vegas for the weekend. So they were going to have a, a limo come pick us up at, at, uh, at, at, uh, uh, in Cambridge and then drive us to Logan and then fly and then fly back on Sunday night. And I was like, on Thursday, I was like, I can't, man. I, I, I don't understand this problem. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what's going on. And so they all went out that Thursday night and I was still in the common area working, working, working. And they didn't get home till like 1130, 1230 at night. And one of the guys, this guy wa walked in and he goes, Kevin, what are you doing? You're still here. You're in the same spot and there's no progress. You've made no progress and spent hours. What are you doing? And, and I, I cannot figure this thing out. And it was this problem on, on, the, on the chalkboard. And he, and he walks up to it very nicely, walks up to it, like looks at it, erases it, like 17 chalk marks. With Boom. He goes, okay, go to bed now. Really? <laughs> and, and it was just like, mind-blowing to me and 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 that was and it was that was such a wonderful experience you know just to you feel like you should work like probably like 100 times harder oh <laughs> at that moment in fact i didn't go on that trip because i wanted to study all weekend yeah. but um but but that was a that was a great memory and 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 just the whole environment there at harvard you know harvard square and 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 we would go to get this pink berry, which was this little ice cream shop in Harvard Square, and it was so fun. And and again, you know, that was one of the greatest things too. Is like a lot of people studied uh, in different parts of the campus. So Harvard Business School is um, is on the other side of Charles River, where all of the main Harvard College buildings are, which is, as people know, as as Harvard Square, Harvard Yard. And, and so a lot of people went in different areas, but I always loved being on campus or in the library, um, which again, you've been in, um, mm -hmm. or in Spangler building, which is where we went in, where the, that's where we, the cafeteria was and all that. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of getting that, like you talked about that, that, that mm -hmm. omniscient spirit in yeah. there 
and it, and it just helped me, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I had one, a really great experience when you and I went, went and we went back there um, when we were walking uh, um, along the campus and the new Tata Hall was, was built and, um, and, and, and you saw all the windows on the outside, very modern, beautiful looking building. And I said, that's where all the people, I said, watch. And we saw all these different huge sheets of paper stuck to the, to the glass and people are all thinking. And, 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 and one of us, I don't remember which one of us said this, but one of us said like, the next Facebook is on that window or the next TikTok or Airbnb yeah. or whatever it is, is on that glass for sure. That's true. cool. You know, it's cool to watch people create. Create things. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. You know, it's interesting, you see, as you were talking about like your, you know, the first day of school and you said, you know, your professor said, look around, you're now average. Um, I, nothing, at, maybe at heart, it's a similar experience. I never forget, like when I came to the US, um, I was obviously I went to high school and my first day, I didn't speak any English. So I never forget. Um, it was actually it was August, right? So we, I, school started obviously in September. So I went to school not knowing any english and my first class was esl um and i walked to i walked to my teacher uh, my mrs kim her name was i never forget and i said and i said i don't know how somehow with very broken english i said that i don't i can't speak english right well i was in an esl class and then she said the same thing she goes like that's okay that's what you're here for <laughs> look around and today like you did they, um, did they only speak English to you in yeah. that class? Like it didn't matter. Like you, it was trial by fire, kind of like full immersion. Absolutely, no, absolutely. And I think that would, that actually helped me to learn faster or be able to speak faster because my first, I didn't speak as I said English, but my first was first and second. I remember it was ESL, and then after that it was like math and then history and then everything else that I had to take. Right. So at the first perhaps I had maybe two weeks, I couldn't understand anything. Honestly, like all I could hear my teacher is just, just saying, you know, not in a bad way, no disrespect, just saying like, blah, 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 blah. That's what it sounded like the Snoopy teacher. Yeah. I couldn't understand anything. And I wanted to go back so bad. I said, this is not, for, I can't do this. But you know, uh, thankfully, I had a good support of my brother, you know, kept like calming me down and like kept guiding me. And after a couple of weeks, it became normal. And, you know, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very cool. Well, awesome, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. That's it? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm keeping you. I'm keeping you to your word. You said that we're going to do more like next. Yeah, episode. So, and in fact, um, if anybody at this point, I know um, Ash uh, and I are going to be coming up with, with uh, uh, all sorts of cool things coming down the pipeline um, that we're going to be uh, offering and, and creating and, and working with you. And, uh, but in, on the personal branding side, um, Rohit Deshpande was my uh, marketing uh, professor. Mm -hmm. And um, he is brilliant. Um, there's a lot of great Harvard, Harvard Business Review articles that he has written. Um, but if you would like to email me um, at kevin at onekeyvisa.us, um, I have a ton of information that I can provide to you on the specific 
uh, personal branding side. Um, and and, and I, can, I can send some information to you. And um, eventually we're gonna start creating this as part of our frameworking uh, with, with, our, with our customers and with you, the students. But, um, the, uh, but right now I can start, you know, kind of feeding you some information uh, that, that, and he was one of the first people to really kind of mention that term to me, personal branding. Um, and, and, and it's a little bit different than, of course, you know, branding a, a, a product or a business, but um, I think I could give you some, some pretty interesting frameworks to start thinking about, which, I, again, I think is a very critical component for um, your future growth all around. Personal development and branding, you're right. That's great, and thank you for, for saying that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Great. All right, man. Great seeing you. Talk to you Thank soon. You, sir. Thank you.